Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. John, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello, Jim. Thank you very kindly. Uh, quickie question for you, please, sir. Okay. Uh, my house my house is U-shaped, and uh, inside the U is basically yard right now and i'm interested in pouring a concrete patio inside this u-shaped but i'm concerned about in the future being able to uh, water my foundation so i don't know if i can pour concrete right up against the foundation or if i need to leave a gap or what i'm talking about pouring a patio that's about 15 feet by 15 feet okay uh you do not need to worry about watering the foundation because the concrete will act as a natural moisture barrier uh, so you go around that patio just like it was part of the foundation and the water okay. through will migrate through the soil just like it does to the middle of the house so that won't be okay. a problem for you at all so i don't need to leave even an expansion joint where the patio butts up against the foundation i, I wouldn't okay that, now, are uh, are you gonna are you gonna pour this patio where it's touching the foundation on three sides or just one side or? Well, it's going to touch it on two sides, and okay. on the the base of the U already has a six foot uh, extension off of the uh, foundation, so I'm going to butt up against that. So its okay. actual foundation touch is going to be on two different sides. And the the existing patio, I'm assuming, is is a, a separate pour from the house itself. Yes, that is correct. Okay. And, yeah, and I'm going to tell you why I, why I was asking these questions. Okay. A lot of times, people will pour a patio like that, and down the road decide they want to enclose it into part of the house. Mm -hmm. And if there's ever any inkling of doing that, I would pour that concrete to where it could be used as part of the foundation later but uh if you if it's always going to be patio then there's no reason to worry about it okay so how thick would it be if i if there was some uh idea in the future of building like a gazebo you know very nice wooden cover over the patio do i need to pour it extra thick for that nope no all, all you would do is uh, on the perimeter edge rather than it just being four inches there you'd put a beam that is, say, 10 inches wide and goes down, say, 12 to 16 inches. So it's it's okay. like a house foundation. And gotcha. that gives you then the ability to use it for, like you were talking about, a, a cover that way. Excellent. Okay, this is great news. My wife's going to like this. So. Now, right. one Thank other side note on this. Yeah. Yes. No wire mesh. Use, use a number three rebar on 12-inch centers. Okay, I'll make a note of that. Number three on 12 inches. Thank you, sir. You bet. John, you take care. Thank you. I enjoy your show. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. And just for everybody else, you know, if you're, if you're building something like that, um, you know, like I said, it, it, where it butts up, say you got a U-shaped house, and you ever have the inkling that you might enclose that, put the foundation beam all the way around where you dig down basically the same depth as the existing house. Again, make it 10 or 12 inches wide. And you can drill into the existing foundation and tie everything together. So if you ever decide to build that into a room or something, you've already got the foundation there. 
the added cost is not that much, especially if you consider if you did go to build on it and you just poured a four inch slab, you'd have to take it out and redo everything. This way you can avoid that extra cost. And on your concrete, uh, when you're doing patios, driveways, even a house foundation, 3,000, 3,500 PSI, that's all you need. You know, sometimes people start ordering this uh, four and 5,000 PSI concrete. That's, that's way overkill for anything that's residential. Uh, that that's what you would use if you're doing road beds and stuff like that. So, uh, just a, a little side note there for you. I had an email question that came in actually uh, yesterday that I wanted to address here real quick. My husband has had a couple of major foot surgeries. He does pretty well walking with his tennis shoes with inserts, but walking in the night with the from the Bedroom to our bathroom barefoot is excruciating for him. He has some Crocs shoes that uh, he can slip into, and that really helps. But I'm wondering, is there a flooring solution in our for our large bathroom that would allow him to walk somewhat comfortably without the rugs and having to put on shoes? The current bathroom flooring is ceramic tile. Right now we have a bunch of memory foam-type rugs down to make his steps more comfortable. But this is a definite trip hazard. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Yeah, tile is going to be the toughest thing on your feet. Uh, what I would probably take a look at and what I've been looking at for my own house, to be honest with you, is a laminate-type flooring. Uh, they have some that are waterproof, so you can put them in the bathrooms. They look just like wood floors. You can't even tell it's not wood when you touch it. Uh, but they have cushioning underneath. Some of them are cork-backed, and that gives. And you can add actually more cushioning under it, even so. When you're walking across it, it's much easier on your feet. Uh, if you're having to, like, put it in the kitchen, you can stand there and do your cooking and and different things like that, and it's much easier on your back. So yes, that is a, an option that you can take a look at. And if you go to Floor and Decor, they can show you all your choices. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Let's head into uh, Dallas. Uh, BB, welcome to WBAP. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I need some help. Okay. I have a house that's 50 years old, and the kitchen cabinets are very ornate. They're wood. And I need to redo them. Uh, the flat surfaces are fine, uh, but where all those little ornate pieces are, I can't sand those things. Is there something I can use to get the old stuff off and not have to sand it? Uh, what What is on it? Are they painted? Are they varnished? Or no, they're varnished from the original. They're the original cabinets that were varnished when they were okay. first put in. And what are you wanting to finish them with this time? Well, I want to just uh, redo them uh, just like they were. I want them back to the original uh, varnishing and the original color and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to paint them, anything like that. Okay. So, And the reason I'm asking all these questions is it makes a difference on what you have to do to them. So in the, in the situation that you're dealing with, what I would recommend then is a... Uh, uh, 
they make a liquid varnish remover. And basically, you dab it on there, and it'll blister up the material that's on there so that you just take a rubber spatula or uh, uh, even t uh, rags and stuff to wipe it off, and that gets you back down to the original wood. You, When you're completely finished, you will still have to do some light sanding, but then you can go ahead and refinish it. Okay. Well, I had seen something uh, at Lowe's or Home Depot, something like that, but the guy in there said that it, <clears throat> it just turns into a mushy mess when you it use it. It does. Oh, okay. But uh, it doesn't harm the wood, correct? No, no, it doesn't harm the wood. Uh, and the only reason you're doing any sanding at all when it's done is, like, in the little corners, it may leave a little bit of residue. Uh, and on the finish, you know, the flat parts of the wood, um, it'll sometimes pull up a little bit of the wood grain. So you do a very light sanding, and, and then it's ready to, to be painted again. But it, it really reduces the sanding down to almost nothing. Okay. Well, um, I will go ahead and, and get get some of it. I was just afraid it might... Uh, not work right. I don't know. You know, I haven't done that before. Everything else has been sanding and um, got some antique things I've done, but nothing as ornate as this. And I just didn't know how I could get a piece of sandpaper down in all of that yep. stuff. So yeah, and oh. and and really, th that's what this stuff was made for is because of all the ornate stuff and and little crevices and all that. Uh, just keep in mind, once you're done, it does have to be cleaned up good before you can put the new finishes on it. Okay, um, when I'm cleaning it up, do I need to, other than just wipe it down, uh, do I need to uh, wash it off or just wipe it down? No, uh, and you'll you'll want to follow the directions on whatever brand you get, but most of them it's just a matter of wiping it down good. You know, there's no washing or anything involved. Okay. Well, it sounds like something I can do, and uh, I think I'll have a let's redo my kitchen cabinets party and have everybody <laughs> over. <laughs> there, uh, now, I, I I'll tell you up front, you're going to have to have some lemonade for those who don't want it, but some beer for those who want a, a beer because it's going to be a little bit of a workout. Uh, well, we're right in the uh, process of replacing the flooring, uh, including some of the subflooring. And um going to pull an old trash compactor out and put a an ice machine in there. So there's oh, a lot yeah. of work to be done. And, yep. um, this is, and I'm finally ready to do it. So I I appreciate your help. It sounds like it like I said, it sounds like something I can do with no problem, just a little elbow grease. That's it. Billy in Fort Worth sent in a message a couple hours ago. He says, uh Air is coming in around the windows. Good morning. I have a home built seven years ago. We are having issues with cold and warm air coming in the windows. Can you please recommend a reputable company that I can use to come and fix the issues? We are in South Fort Worth. Thank you so much for your time. You know, there's only two things that should be allowing air to come in through the windows. I, I'm going to say three things. Those are the caulking around the window has dried out and cracked, and so you're getting air infiltration there, and that will come in around the 
cracked caulking on the inside where the window meets the sheetrock. The second place is where the window slides up and down. Uh, you can have air infiltration there if the, the wipes that seal it start going bad. And then, of course, the third place is where the glass itself meets the window, which is typically on new construction going to be aluminum. Now, those are the three primary places where you're typically going to feel air blowing through. And honestly, a lot of the time, it is the caulking where the window meets the siding or the brick and the sheetrock inside that is the biggest culprit. So take a look at that first, and if that is the issue, a painter uh, can can actually come out and recaulk everything for you. Uh, they're typically the ones who do most of the caulking. If it is the sweeps along the where the window slides up and down or where the glass meets the window frame itself, then it's time for replacement windows because you just got bad windows to begin with. But almost always, it's just the caulking around the outside of the window. Renvi sent me a email question about injection foam. We have problems with our pipes freezing when temps are in the mid-20s and below. Obviously, the home we bought doesn't have adequate insulation in the walls. We'd like to find a solution besides space heaters and leaving our sinks dripping for sometimes days. Injection foam has been suggested, but I'm leery of having so many holes in our walls. Would inside or outside application be better? Our exterior is hardy board, so it seems going through the sheetrock might be wiser. Finally, are there any areas you would avoid? I'm wondering about wiring, etc. Thank you. I'm mislistening on WBAP, which is our Dallas affiliate, but I still enjoy the podcast out here in the big country. And, you know, yeah, anybody can listen to us on the podcast, but look, the retrofit foams, they work great. And yes, it does require putting a hole in between every stud in order to fill all the cavities. So you can go through the sheetrock or, like on this particular house is brick, a lot of times on brick homes they can drill the hole in the mortar lines, drop the tube into the bottom, they fill it up as they're coming out. Uh, it's a non-expansive foam that is basically the consistency of shaving cream. So uh, that is what I would recommend uh, because it will encapsulate the pipe. You don't have to worry about the electric wires. Yes, it's going to encapsulate those as well. But uh, for the type of issue you're having, uh, that's going to probably be your best fix. Anything else is going to require opening up the walls in order to do it. And uh, th this really is minimal repair. Now, on hardy siding, uh, because you, you did mention your siding is hardy, uh, they, they can drill it and put a plug in there. Uh, and then they can seal where the plug was. It does show if it was my house, I'd probably be looking at trying to do that one through the sheetrock because uh, it's a, a less of a repair than the hardy siding would be. But if they're able to do it on the hardy siding, all of it from the top and you have the lap siding, it can be sometimes as simple as just replacing the one board across the top and you've got it all taken care of.
So talk with the uh, company who's looking at doing the, the foam and uh, go with it that way. Gene and Cameron, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. I've got a question. I have a house that I bought down on the coast, uh, and we're redoing the floor, and we had a big rain down there yesterday. And I mean, water could come to that house like somebody turned on. What's the best way to stop that? And can I put a uh, can I put a uh, drain line? It's it's setting up on blocks. Okay. Can I put a drain line underneath it and just drain it out, or do I need to put uh, raise the elevation at the edge of the house. What do you think? How old a house is it? Probably a hundred years old. Actually, it's yeah. probably not that old, but it's old. Yeah. So the ground outside is probably higher than the ground inside uh, <laughs> exactly underneath right. it, and uh, that happens over time from just cutting the grass and things like that. You know, and so yeah, you got a couple of ways of dealing with it. One is to uh, go underneath and regrade everything to where you can put just a drain in the bo- in the underside to capture the water and pump it out and there is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that so if i put say a four inch line four inch pipe underneath there and dug between the 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 what do you call those things at the house sitting on the blocks those blocks yeah dug in between them and just dug a a hole out and put that thing underground to where it, <clears throat> so you can't see it outside. Yeah. Uh, well, drain it out good. What do you have some place uh, that you can drain it to? Yes, yes, I can go out the back back side of the house and just let it go back down the yard that way. Oh man, absolutely, do it that way. Easiest thing to do. Uh, now, a friend of mine was uh, putting the floor back in it. And we're pretty sure the reason that floor rotted out so bad is because so much water stood under there for so long. Yep. <clears throat> but in any case, he was he was thinking that maybe we could just raise the dirt level on the outside of the house. Is that any? Is it better just to drain underneath than to go no, up with d- dirt on the outside? Drain it underneath because if you go up with the dirt on the outside, uh, you you're still going to end up with the water underneath, and it makes it that much harder to get it out. I hear you. Do you think, uh, I've heard of these things called French drains. Can I use a French drain so that the water percolates into it nicely or just a regular old open-end four-inch PVC pipe going out underground underneath? You you can actually do it either way. If you use the French drain, uh, basically you're going to have to dig a trench underneath there, put the pipe in with a sock on it, gravel around it that's wrapped in fabric as well, so that the water, as it soaks in, can can run out. It takes a little bit longer to get the bulk of water out, but, you know, it, it doesn't take days longer. It, it takes maybe a, a couple hours longer, so it'll work, okay. it would work just fine. Service-wise, though, putting a catch basin underneath uh, runs the water out quicker and is easier to service, but... The nice thing on the French drain is, you know, water seeks the low spot. And so when you put yeah. that French drain underneath there, the water from the soils will tend to go to it and help keep it drier underneath there. So a single a single French drain, just uh, maybe uh, three or four foot underneath the house where yep. the water likes to stand and then just drain it right on. I can put it underground all the way on outside. Yes, sir. 
Let's head to Eagle Pass. James, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how are you, Jim? It's James. Nice to meet you. I have a house that my in Dickinson area of Texas, and um, we're looking at buying it. There are some things that need to be repaired and replaced, like the roof and the back wall of the house, which faces south. Um, I think it's a hard to work. I'm not sure. But uh, is, would it be cheaper for me to to do this on my own after we purchase the house, or is this something that we can use as um, leverage to lower the price that we're looking for buying the house and wanting to buy the house, but this needs to be repaired, so, so come down on the price. Which would be smarter? Come down on the price. So, yes, okay. uh, typically okay. you would negotiate that stuff. Now, on some things, like, say, uh, if the roof is bad and needs replacing, yes. Uh, yes. if you're going to finance the house, a lot of times if it's bad enough, the mortgage companies won't finance it until it's replaced. Gotcha. Okay. 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 All right. Um, uh, like, okay, so here's a, it's a typical home in the area of Dickinson. It's like um, um, brick lower on the, on the wraparound on the sides in the front, but it's, uh, I, I, I think it's hardy board. I'm not, I'm not absolutely sure, but it's, um, there's some cracks and some mold growing on this. I, if it's hardy board, I thought it would do a better job than holding that up, but it holds mold like, can't imagine, like I can't well, if it is hardy board, it it can get a, a mold on it because it's got a paint on the surface there. But typically, yeah. just a little pressure washing takes it right off. Yeah, I, I, I use I, I have to hit it like like every every month and a half, two months in the in that season. But I just use chlorine. It's not a problem. I just I'm just wondering, and I appreciate your input. And I love your show. I listen to it every week, so. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I, I will tell you, if it's something like that where it's having to be hit all the time, um, the next time you get ready to paint it, have a mold yes, inhibitor added to the paint. And is that, that would should be all... Is that the... Is no, that they... they what, what, what is... Uh, a mold inhibitor is something that uh, can be mixed into the paint so that mold doesn't okay. attach itself to the paint and start growing again. What what causes that is a lot of paints, the additive that they use to extend the paint further out, especially in a, in a cheaper paint, they add clay. And the, the mold is oh, wow. able to get into that clay, and that's, you know, where where it'll survive even when you clean it. So they make an additive oh. that can be put into the paint when it's being mixed up uh that that they add at the paint store that is a mold inhibitor that'll to help to minimize that okay so i should pressure if i this is something i can do like rolling or would you spray it no it's it, you can spray it on or roll it on either way but it, it it's basically repainting the, the place okay okay well hey thank you for your time and i i know between now and then i have more questions not a problem. You take care. Yes, sir. Be blessed. Jesse in Eastwood, how can I help you today? Uh, good afternoon, Jim. How are you? Wonderful. The question is about insulation. I live in a uh, about a 100-year-old home that's a pyramid beam. It's insulated on top with just regular blowing insulation. I wanted to insulate the bottom of the house either open or closed cell insulation and get different opinions about don't do it because it's going to rot the wood or yes, do it. What is, what's your opinion? 
uh, if you're talking about the crawl space area, uh, yeah. I typically sure. recommend to people don't do it. And mm -hmm. the main reason I do is you really don't get the return on investment that you put into it. And mm -hmm. uh, depending on what you use can promote wood rot. Uh, you're dealing with a 100-year-old house, and you're going to change the makeup of how it, it breathes and everything Correct. when you start mm -hmm. using a, a foam insulation like that. So if you're going to put foam in the crawl space, use a closed cell only and only have them spray an inch or two on the floor decking itself. You don't want it coming down on the the floor joist or anything like that uh, because it, it, when you get that all encapsulated, that's when it'll start rotting. Okay. What about the attic? I do have spray foam insulation, but I wanted to do the rafters on top. Uh, what is your opinion on that also? You, you, you have insulation on the attic floor already, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, don't, don't be doing the, the roof deck. If you want, if you need or want more insulation, just add on top of what you have on the attic floor. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, for, uh... and, and since this is an old house like that, uh, you know, you've got no insulation in the walls unless somebody added some. I did uh, add some. Uh, okay. What, what did you put in the walls? We removed the old wood, and before we did the hardy plank and the and the decking, we we put regular, uh, I guess, uh, insulation on the walls. Okay, the fiberglass bat. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you should you should be good with that then. The only the only issue is and uh, it, it's during the winter when you, you get that seems like your feet are always cold because of the moisture and the you know the humidity outside and we're just trying to see what we could do to deal with that part of the of the problem. warm fuzzy slippers <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that before and uh it's <laughs> just trying to you know you have to increase the, the the heat in order to try to i guess neutralize it to control it Right. But, uh, I guess that's what we're going to have to do. I'd rather do that, and we've done it for 40 years. What's, what's another, whatever the good Lord has for us, the store for us. But, uh, uh, yeah, I was concerned about, you know, bottom underneath the house, and I guess you just pretty much answered my question all over again. You know, and, and some of the most expensive repairs I've done on, on foundations have been where people went and put fiberglass insulation in crawl space houses. It just rots them out, and... You know, when you're dealing with a, an older structure like you're dealing with here, mm -hmm. it's got ventilation built in. It was designed Correct. to be open that way. I, I would leave Correct. it that way. Um, you know, if, if truth, all truth being told now, what do you have for flooring inside there? The original wood floors. Okay. And then, uh, after that, uh, we decided to go ahead and install, uh, I guess, you know, vinyl flooring on top of it. And okay. That's what we have. Okay. And the reason I'm asking is a lot of those old homes that way, you know, newer ones, we have two layers of wood. You, you got your subfloor and then the flooring itself. A lot of those old homes from 100 years ago, they only had one layer. And so the air would come up between the boards. Uh, so throw rugs and or like you're talking about the 
the vinyl planks or even another wood floor, all of that kind of stuff adds to the airflow and, and makes it a whole lot more comfortable. The other place where you feel a lot of air come in, believe it or not, is around the baseboards on the exterior walls. Uh, they they get opened up and you know in, in older houses they didn't caulk them and and stuff to seal everything up and so you do get a little air movement there and around the windows if they haven't been changed out. Okay, I guess I know what I have to order for Christmas. Warm <laughs> slippers. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, sir. You bet. You, you, you take care. You solidified my 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 concern. Thank you. Uh, you bet. Bye bye. And yes, I do recommend the the warm fuzzy slippers a lot of times on that stuff because realistically, you're talking thousands of dollars for minimal return. It never pays for itself. And uh, if you want to get the top of the line, beautiful leather fuzzy slippers, you're talking typically eighty bucks. Do the math, Jim. How can I help you today? Uh, yes, good afternoon. I have a question uh, actually on behalf of my son who has a uh, uh, a house in Grapevine, Texas, and he's got a retaining wall at the rear of his house, and he has a drainage problem. Uh, his house is at the bottom of the retaining wall, and the neighbor's house is above him at the top of the retaining wall, and he's got a drainage problem uh, into his backyard. If It's always wet at the base of the retaining wall, and... Do you have any suggestions? I mean, can we dig at the base of that retaining wall and put in a French drain and not disturb the foundation of the retaining wall? Probably not, because the drain system should be on the back side of the retaining wall. And that's probably what the problem is, is it's not there or it's not adequate. How tall a retaining wall is it? Uh, it's about 10 feet. It's uh, concrete uh, slash uh, you know, rock. Okay. Yep. And I, 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 will, I do a lot of retaining walls up in the Dallas area. And I'll, I do stuff sometimes it's even 60 foot tall. And all, even the engineers, they will design it with just a little bit of gravel in the bottom, pipes poking through the wall, and that's supposed to relieve all the water pressure, and it, it doesn't. Uh, anytime I build a retaining wall, I I have gravel running basically all the way up the wall, wrapped in fabric to keep soil from getting into it, and regular French drain pipes uh, in there in order to bring the water out. And that traditionally is going to hold up a whole lot better. I'm guessing this retaining wall has been in for probably 15, 20 years. Uh, his house uh, is probably about 40 years old, and so that retaining wall has probably been there for 40 years. And um, yep. uh, so what can, as, as the owner of the house at the bottom of the retaining wall, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming the retaining wall is probably common neighborhood property or something like this because it's, you know, another house backs up to it, so it's probably common neighborhood property. What can he do? Uh, as kind of the innocent bystander victim here to, to make that problem less than it is now. Has the wall started to move yet? No, the wall, I mean, the wall's probably been there for 40 years. The wall hasn't moved, but at the base okay. of his, at, at the bottom of the wall of the, at his backyard, 
if he were to dig right. a hole, yeah. no. uh, 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 if he were to dig a hole, it would fill up with water on its own. Yeah, here's the reason you you can't put the uh, French drain there. In order to put the French drain, you got to dig down, and typically those walls only go down a foot or two. And so if you start digging to put a French drain, the ba- bottom of that wall will start to kick. So okay. there should be on the back side of it. Tip, traditionally, there is a a gravel bed that's normally a, a foot or two in diameter. And I'm betting that the weep holes that are in the retaining wall have plugged up at this point. So what I would recommend trying is to see if we can poke through the existing holes into the gravel and open those up again. Now, that still brings moisture into the backyard. I I get that. But if you're controlling where it's coming in, you can now capture that water and take it out. Okay. And that may be um, as simple as capturing it into uh, just a little trench drain in order to, to bring it out away from the wall. So Danny in Keene, Texas, says, uh, we filed a claim on our roof, and the insurance company came back and said we need a new roof. So I reached out to a local roofing company. They requested the documents the insurance company sent over, so we complied and emailed it to them. So they sent us a quote for the exact amount the insurance company said it was going to cost to the penny. Is that how it usually works out? The agent told us that we shouldn't have sent the cost breakdown to them. So now we feel that we are getting ripped off by the roofing company. Maybe we should reach out to others without sending our insurance documents any advice would be helpful. Thanks. Well, here's the issue. Insurance companies rule the pricing of roofs because they dictate how much they're going to pay on insurance claims. Uh, The secondary issue that roofers run into is it is against the law for them not to collect the deductible. Yeah, it's not the insurance company. It's the insurance the insurance company or the uh, roofer has to make sure that the deductible is paid if it's an insurance job. So they're kind of left in a catch-22 basis. Um so it is very common almost all roofing companies are going to ask for the insurance quote. They're going to verify that the insurance company is covering everything they're supposed to cover that they're paying what going market rates are. Uh, they got to see what the deductible is. So it, it is very common, much like it is if your car is in an accident and insurance is going to pay that claim. The the auto body shop deals with the insurance company. So do roofers on these claims. It is, it is almost the same type of situation. So uh, don't feel like you were duped or anything at all. It, it is a normal practice. Um, and I, t- I just touched on the fact that on roofing claims, the uh, roofing contractor is supposed to collect on the deductible. Used to be you would hear these ads that would say, uh, we'll cover the deductible and stuff like that. That's no, That's not legal. It wasn't then, but they have clamped down on it now. And... It's not just illegal for the contractor. 
it is illegal for you as the property owner as well to enter into that type of agreement. And so at some point in time, the insurance company is going to turn around and ask you for proof that, one, the deductible was paid, two, how much the claim, how much the roofing contractor uh, charged you. Because a lot of times they're holding back on some of the funds, uh, the depreciation portion of the funds. They pay that once the new roof is on. And to do that, they're going to want to see all the numbers. So, like I said, it, it is normal practice. Don't feel like you got duped by any means at all. Uh, the insurance companies, despite what some of the adjusters will try to tell you, they have brought this on themselves. Like I said, they're dictating how much roofers are charging for uh, new roofs now. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.